Hello and welcome. My name is Mark Blatstein, the physician founder of Physician Pre-Sentence Report Service. Today, I'm going to discuss the importance of preparation for your pre-sentence interview. Inmates call it the, the inmate's Bible because the pre-sentence interview, from that, your probation officer is going to write the, the pre-sentence report and make a placement and sentence recommendation to your judge. And so having it comprehensive and all the information accurately provided to the pre to, to the probation officer a couple, two to three weeks before your interview, to me, is first class preparation. And so so you don't have to take lots of notes. I am going to link this YouTube directly to my website and you'll be able to see it as we go forward. So bear with me so I as I attempt to put this all together. Okay. So the website is Physician Pre-Sentence Report Service for your own knowledge. And here we're talking about the pre-sentence interview preparation. It's going to determine your future. You want to be prepared. That's if you want to create a better outcome. Essentially, be eligible for early release. Otherwise, you know, you will you'll spend the entire the full time of your incarceration in prison. And I don't think anyone wants to do that. I'm not clairvoyant. I have learned this from interviews that I've read and viewed online with federal judges, as well as probation officers, retired BOP wardens, as well as a retired BOP administrator of their residential reentry management branch. Additionally, let me add that Nobody, no attorney, no, no consultant, nobody can guarantee you what any judge can do on any given day. No one's going to guarantee you what the BOP is going to do. It's just not possible. With that said, what can be guaranteed is that if you don't put any effort in ahead of time, then you're going to, it's going to reduce the amount of how early you'll be able to request release at a later date. In other words, if you if you want to bet on a horse race, you got to step up to the window and buy a ticket. I mean, the only way you're going to be able to positively impact an early release is to do work. And so this is what we're going to get. This is what we're going to drive to here on this YouTube throughout the website throughout my YouTubes is preparation. I'm, you know, I have my, while I have my medical license back, <clears throat> it was 20 years ago, somewhat a little less that I too had a felony. Uh, but I was unprepared for, 
I wasn't a great client because I was that deer in headlights, but I, I was unprepared for everything legal, legal required, BOP, re prison required, prison related, uh, preparation for the sentencing related. I just was unaware. And it's not an excuse, but this is what caused me to transition from patient care into working with all of you. And so next up is good time credits. You get 15% off your sentence. The caveat is that don't get any disciplinary infractions. Don't get in trouble. Don't let someone say that you can use this iPhone to call a loved one because the phones are going to get caught. You'll see them everywhere. Don't use them. Because eventually, if that if there's a phone number on that phone that matches up with a phone number on your phone list, you're you can you'll get in trouble. And then I don't know how it's going to impact you, but it's not going to be good. Earn time credits. These are available through the first step back. And so you can earn up to a year off your sentence, 365 days. It's approximately, you can earn up to six months off, 180 days off per year, which means in two years, you can earn up to one year off your sentence. And then any credits above that, you can earn that time in a halfway house or a residential reentry center, RRC. But don't get into trouble. Don't get any disciplinary infractions. RDAP eligible. If you had a, if you had, if, dr if drugs were, if you were, if there was any substance abuse, didn't have to be a drug crime. But if there was any substance abuse in the 12 months prior to your arrest, it could be legal or illegal drugs or alcohol, any one of the above that is documented in the pre-sentence report, then you can get up to one year off your sentence. It's tiered based on the number of months of your sentence. Second Chance Act. Second Chance Act is, it's based on the number of months on your sentence, but it's up to your case manager and unit team as to whether they're going to offer it to you. So why will they offer it to you? Well, they're going to offer it to you if they feel that you deserve earlier release. But if you're not putting in any effort then they're not going to offer it to you. So what's the effort? Well, the judge, your attorney, the probation officer, the <clears throat> prosecutor, these are all stakeholders. And stakeholders are people that are, once you have a conviction of a felony, you are... Justice impacted persons, which means that they are responsible for you once you're in the Federal Bureau of Prisons for helping you reduce your criminogenic needs incrementally over time. 
And so how are they, how they are going about that is that they have one way. And that one way is through watching you, offering you increment, offering you first step back programs. And so they will offer you the programs and you will take the programs. And if they offer you a program that is sewing, I don't know if that's a program or not, but let's say it's balancing your checkbook or it's walking or it is something to do with trauma, whatever the program is, or it's anger management, even if you don't believe that has anything to do with you, thank them for taking offering you the program and take it. Don't argue with them because everybody's arguing with the case managers. They're just, at this point, they're just doing their job and you, you're just a number. So just be very nice and thank them and take the program and go to every class. <clears throat> and how they will see that you are incrementally improving will go through a little bit later. Compassionate release is, is dependent on age, but not always, and medical condition. I say that because it, it, if you're over 65 and there's a medical condition that they cannot provide care for, definitely that rings a bell here. But there, there are other conditions that there are other conditions that apply. But this is a little bit more of a heavy lift now that we're not under the CARES Act because that was a presidential order due to COVID. Lastly, you need to include everything in your pre-sentence report. Everything is everything that your attorney tells you to get copies of, including right now the Department of Justice, as you are aware, has your indictment that has been released to the press. Does it sound, do, are you, do you agree with everything that's in your indictment? Doesn't it, isn't it very flattering? Probably not. But everyone's read it. And so you need, now need to draft, if you want, your personal narrative, which is your story or your autobiography. And this is going to take time. Hopefully you have several months between the guilty verdict date and your pre-sentence interview date because you need to take your time from childhood to when you were charged with your with your charge for your crime and just review all the different events that brought you to this point in your life where you were convicted of a crime what brought you to it in other words go through if you have siblings and your life growing up in your home was it stable was it not stable was there food did you go to school did you were your parents home were your parents in jail was it a middle class upper class poor <clears throat> did you did you study? Did you work your way through junior high school and, and as well as go to school and high school as well as go to school? Did you go to college or did you go straight to work? 
Um, did you get, did you have your GED? Did, were you a professional? What brought you to this point that you did the crime? Was it a drug crime or a white collar crime? You need to write down every little detail. There's nothing that is insignificant because you're going to write this and it can't be too long because you're going to go ahead and begin to, once it's written, rewrite it at least six, seven, eight times until it's distilled with someone else so that they can, they're not an enabler, but they're able to distill it with you. Hopefully it's someone that has experience in writing so that you've taken responsibility. You understand that you have remorse for what you've done. You recognize that and you recognize that you have created victims. And you also know that you have a duty that there are programs because you've looked over the first step back programs there. I have them here in the website and we'll go through them at a little bit later point in this YouTube, but that you have responsibility to reduce your criminogenic needs incrementally before you are released because you owe it to the victims community, your family and yourself not to come back to this courtroom again. Your release plan. It seems a little premature, but the release plan has to be started now also. And why is that? I have the word stakeholders here. Stakeholders are those that are responsible for your future now that you have a felony conviction. So the stakeholders started with the attorney, the prosecutor, Department of Justice, the probation officer, the judge. <clears throat> so now it's going to be the case manager in prison, the unit team in prison that works with the case manager and the warden. And they are responsible for reducing your criminogenic needs. And you need to show them how you are going to reduce those criminogenic needs. And so we'll go into that at some point a little bit later, but how you can start by saying that you've had time to think about, you know, what you've done. You have ex you've accepted responsibility. <clears throat> you agree with the court that you've cr created victims and you, uh, you have to understand that you need to take the programs that are, that, that are available so that you could reduce your, those criminogenic needs that you have because you owe it to the victims, the community and your family and yourself so that you don't come back into prison again. I mean, the courtroom again. But beyond that, as you're there, this release plan is going to begin to grow. And while it's premature now, there there is a, temp, not a template, but a template plan that you'll be able to kind of grow into as this begins to develop. Allocution is your chance to speak with the judge at sentencing. So this is big because the judge is going to want to talk to you. He's already read your narrative. He's read your release plan. 
he's you've answered the question, although he may he or she may ask it again, as to why, you know, that you know that the the judge doesn't want you back in their courtroom again. But you have to make a good impression. So you've you can re, re you can repeat that you've taken the responsibility. You've understood the pain that you've caused the victims, and that. <clears throat> you know that you have to learn from the programs in prison so that you can change incrementally uh, and that you have to, you owe this to the victim's community and family as to not be back in the courtroom again. And you also, you can add to that, that if, that if there's a financial component that you understand there's the financial responsibility program and that you know that you will participate in that also. Additionally, once you go into prison, the first step back, <clears throat> you should make your way as before you meet with your case manager and unit team. As soon as you get to a computer, I think believe they're called True Links. You should before you email home. There's a survey on there. A Spark Thirteen is a risk assessment survey. Has your pattern score. You need to take that survey right away and the reason is because once you get offered these programs because the only way you can take them is if your case manager or a bop staff person but my understanding is that it's your case manager counselor they offer you the programs you they can offer them to you and you can take them but if you haven't take your if you haven't taken your assessment survey you're not going to get credit and so that will be very upsetting to you if you figure that out six months later. You need to take that risk assessment survey right away. And so here we go. So now we're going to get into this, <clears throat> the nitty gritty, if you will. You're going to find these YouTube sp space throughout the website there to help you as you go through it. But your goal is to answer this question for the judge, because they're not going to ask you, but you you want to be, what's the one thing that's going to differentiate you from everyone else entering your, your judge's courtroom on the day of sentencing? You need to be able to answer that question for yourself before you get into the judge. Preparation. You need to be your own best advocate. Again, we'll go into this a little bit later, but One of you need, as you have your attorney, you need to have an understanding with your attorney first. When your attorney asks you to do something, please do it. Between when you have the guilty verdict date and your pre sentence interview date, they should also be you should be able to hold each other accountable. And I would, you know, spell that out clearly because if they should be willing to, if you have a request, you know, be it for, you know, to bring in an expert uh, in sentence mitigation, and I'll go into that why in this, within this YouTube, they should be able to consider that. So here we go. You heard initially that, People have come into you and said that that 
the feds have been asking questions about you. Well, if you're here, if you hear that, understand that Department of Justice at that point, they have they have all the information they need and they have a 98% conviction rate. So that's just the numbers don't lie. And so that's when you begin you have to be, you have to with your attorney decide do you trial or do you go to plea you may first go in with your attorney and plea not and rather say that you know not guilty and then you go back and forth with your attorney and you begin the plan but if at some point you realize that you know what's going on you need to talk to your attorney and then meet with the department of justice and or DOJ and say, listen, you want a plea deal. Second phase is that you need to start preparing for your pre-sentence interview. And this is going to take every inch of the two to three month period of time. So here we go. Step one, probation and pretrial services. This is actually a sample form. You can go to the website, but it covers biographical background and information data. This is the information you need to get copies of everything for your, uh, your attorney's going to have to, it's going to ask you to get all this information. So we'll start with medical. You're going to need to get copies of all of your either medical or mental health care information, copies of all your doctor's contact information, phone number, email, website information, copy of other all office notes, progress notes, treatment plans, copies of all prescriptions for medications and prescriptions for medical devices. If you're on medications, understand that there is a, the BOP has their drug list and their drugs are on a three-tier list, three-tier formulary. And as such, there are certain drugs that are available, and there are certain that there are certain drugs that are available. And these they're all generic. But as generics, each generic manufacturer has the same drug, but they, because they're different manufacturers, they may be different in color, size, and shape. Then there are non-formulary drugs. They have them, they just don't want to give them to you. Then they have their drugs that are just not available. If you fall into the second or third category, you need to go through the their their formulary or drug list with your physician and have them pick out either an appropriate available substitution or something else that they can use instead. Or if there's nothing available, Hopefully, your your doctor's willing to appear at sentencing because the judge will want to speak with them. All your information has to be there. Any diagnostic test, x-ray, CT, MRI, EKG, EEG, any PET scans, any and all of them should be there, their reports. But quite frankly, you should have them on CD as well as flash drive if you can get that. Substance abuse. If you have a substance abuse, whether it is legal prescription, over the counter, or illegal or alcohol, 
All of that should be documented into the pre-sentence report. And I would go as far as saying is that even if it was, no matter what it is, I would bring it up in your doctor's office so that there is a report made in a progress note for any of the drugs that you're taking. I would ask him, although they make a what's called a soap note, S-O-A-P, make sure that that is clearly written as a treatment plan. And especially if you have a difficult disease that's being treated, that treatment plan will be, will be, will be important for your attorney. If you have a medication that is important for you to take and is not available, your doctor, your doctor should be informed that when he has time, they should note why the drugs that are available do not work and why they do not work so that the Federal Bureau of Prisons does not make you go through the drugs that they have. Your doctor can already have written that you've tried all the drugs that the they have that the BOP has on formulary and therefore you do not have to go through that again period plus you won't have to wait another six months you should have copies of your highest vocational highest educational level and go into detail if you've been to you've been educated for high school put it there college put, you know have copies if you've been to medical law school if you have if you have your doctorate in physics if you've been published everything that you've done if you've taught if your doctor you've taught residence you know everything that you've done and everything that you've published all of that should be in detail should be copies should be written if you have had colleagues that have used you as a resource academically, those letters should be included. If you have other skills and certifications, that should be included. Military career, that should be included, copies of. Discharge should be included. Employment, copies of employment records should be included. If where you were employed and they they are understand that you have a felony conviction and they are willing to rehire you after you are released due to your character and your skills, that is a great letter to get. Acceptance of responsibility, that is your narrative. We've talked about it. That is your release plan. We have talked about it. Criminal history. That should also be listed too, but that is with your attorney. Once you've... <clears throat> when you're picking attorneys, you should know 
that or you should ask questions when you're picking an attorney. In other words, first you're looking for attorneys that practice federal criminal defense. Then they practice in federal court. Then you want to see if you can have references to call a couple of clients that had cases similar to yours. I mean, understanding that it, that I mean, nobody's going to be happy going to prison, but you still like to talk to a couple. And lastly, it's possible you'd like to go ahead and read several sentencing memorandums. <clears throat> they may tell you that there's HIPAA and you cannot, and you can agree. But at the same time, at least on PDF documents, they can be redacted. And so everything can be blacked out. Going through this. So we're beyond COVID at this point. But if you have, if you are a documented post-COVID long hauler, then let me say that in my own personal opinion, and I'm not an endocrinologist, I am not an infectious disease doctor, I am not a rheumatologist. I'm not a pulmonologist. But from everything I've read, there is no jail or prison, federal or state, that has the, the variety of specialists that are available daily, the equipment needed to provide services for you every day. I do not believe that they have the amount of money, nor is it part of their mission statement. I also don't believe <clears throat> that care should be taken in addition to paying attention to activities of daily living, which means you're able to do things for yourself, get dressed, go to the bathroom, eat, um, just walk around, do things for yourselves. There's things called prison activities of daily living. And that affects those which are a little bit, as you get a little bit older, maybe you have early onset dementia, which means you're going to wander around. You know, you may get the, the BOP staff may have a standing count sometime during the day and person may not want to stand up or, Someone may wander into someone else's personal space, or you may be standing in line to go eat, and the person may wander around the compound. These are our, these are our prison activities of daily living that could get people not only infractions, but <clears throat> could wind up putting them in solitary confinement. And for someone who has early onset or dementia, could worsen that condition. Continuing. We've gone through good time credit already, RDAP. So here's how it breaks down. If you're sentenced to greater than 36 months, you could receive up to 12 months off your sentence. Your sentence is over 30 months, up to nine months off. Greater than 24 months, up to six months off. We've discussed, well, CARES is gone already and second chance. 
First step back I've covered, preparing for your pre-sentence interview. The goal is to have all this information to the probation officer before several weeks, two to three weeks before you have the interview. The goal is that if they have that information before your interview, then at the time of the interview, they actually, one, may appreciate not having to do all that work at the interview time at that time. They now can take the time to actually meet with you in person and have a casual conversation to get to meet you and see who you are. And that in the long run could work to your benefit. As I say, what you're going to be getting, your copies of everything, labs, diagnostic tests, CT, x-rays, PET scans. We've gone through that. You can bring with you your CPAP, glasses, prosthetics, all of that can come with you. We have, we've gone through non-formulary therapy, substitution, the drug list. <clears throat> and we've gone through the narrative. This is a YouTube. It just reviews with you how to kind of, you know, why your narrative is so important. But judges across the country, I mean, this is an article that was written. They want to hear from you at your hearing. I mean, they, at, at the sentencing hearing, they want to talk to you. They're going to know what what brought you to this point and what brought you to this point in your life. Why did you do this crime? This is they really want to be able to meet and speak with you at that point in time. And so if you can do all this, and I've quoted different judges, these are, you know, where they're, you can read this, you know, Mark Bennett's sincere demeanor. They want to take responsibility, acknowledge that they're victims, a more impressive allocution details how your criminal contact affected the victims, express genuine remorse, et cetera. And this you can go online and read. By matching all of the requirements, you can provide a court with a BOB placement request that supports your reason why. So here, how do you do this? If once you're at the sentencing hearing, if the judge is willing to grant you a placement request, you need to provide the reasons why you're making the crest. And where you, what I've done is put together a packet that provides the reasons for the court. It's because you need to have either programs or medical reasons as to why you're making a placement request. And why you're doing that, it's done with using only one prison placement. So here we're going to use Alderson and the reason is going to be the drug program. I'm going to click on that and go figure it didn't work right, but I got to check that out. So this is the packet that you would walk in the court where your attorney would walk in the court with. So it shows up Alderson. And this is the program. This comes in with all of the programs that are available at Alderson. 
evidence-based recidivism, the Resolve program, and RDAP. And we come down here. And then there's RDAP. And so this just shows all the programs that will be available at that institution. But in addition to that, I've shown it here on the first page of all the programs that will be there also. Continuing, it's your financial responsibility plan. And with your financial responsibility plan, once you get offered to go into the First Step Act, as you meet with your case manager, you need to be able to, if you have a financial penalty with the court, you're going to have to make a financial plan to pay back money every month. And so it depends on how much money you're taking in. So if you're taking in money, let's say $1,000 a month into your commissary account, be prepared to offer your counselor $200 a month, let's say. If you're taking in, let's say, two to $300 a month or 250 to $350 a month, maybe you can offer the counselor $25 a month to maybe $25 a quarter or $75 a quarter, something. What you cannot do is refuse to offer anything. Because if you do, then, and you have a financial penalty with the court, then you have a problem because they may not offer you any programming and thus you may not get all of the available earn time credits and early release options. When they offer you programs to get, to get programs After you take a program, they will go what you will agree to take the program as we discussed. And then after you take the program, what you want to do is you want to go ahead and from Amazon, get a paperback journal that has lines on it, like a notebook paperback, but has writing on every page. Otherwise, if it's blank, they won't let it in. And the writing can be a hologram. 
but it has to be writing that can be inspirational. It can be sports, religious, um, anything. It has to be something, though. And then, on the, as you take the class on every day, you should put the day, the date, who taught that day's class, and what you learned that day. Find something. And then... As you do that every day, when that particular program or class is done, and it may run for two weeks, it may run for two months. At the end, put a little note thanking the case manager for recommending that course to you and why you're thanking them. Give the credit to the case manager. Okay? At the same time, I'm also recommending, as others do, that you're going to build a new habit. And I would suggest that you start recommending nonfiction books. And by recommending nonfiction books, I mean, start reading. And it's building a habit, I know. But I would start reading nonfiction books. It can be history. It can be biographies. It can be life skills. It can be marketing. It can be art, art therapy. It can be anything but what you want to do is have for the number of months you're going to be in prison have two to three books come in a month and then every day just like you're writing about the classes read and write i don't know 500 words a day right and write write the the day the date the chapter the author and what you learn from the book. And do that every day. And it's, it's going to do several things, which we'll go into momentarily. Then once a month, no, that's not true. Once a week, pick someone you've taken for the number of months you're going to be in prison, have a list already written up and spread that among family and friends so that they can send that into you over so not one person is not responsible. So you'll be getting these books if you're in for 30 months or 20 months or 40 months. And so that and you'll be getting these books and you'll be on a routine and you're building a new habit. But once a month, you'll be able to email a your what you're doing and you know to one person who can maybe put it into a blog or keep a record of it something but at the same time you're doing on that you're keeping a record for yourself it's kind of like insurance you have life insurance health insurance homeowners insurance so what happens if six months into this you're meeting now with your case manager. And right now, this we're in May, May 28th. And let's say in December of 2023, and this is May of 2023, and your case manager says, you know, we have in our records that in May you missed two classes, two of the two of your programming classes. And we're going to kick you out of the first step. We're going to 
we have to drop you from the first step back and all those credits you've earned. They're no good anymore. What do you do if you don't have insurance? Or in this case, if you have no way to prove that you were there, doesn't matter that other people saw you. It doesn't matter that you signed a list when you went in the room because anyone could have signed it. But if you've written everything that you've done, and so you have now chronological order, not only do you have the day, date, and the first step back programs, but then be next behind that, you've got the book that you read. Then you have the next, you have the class next day. Then you have the book that you read. And you have a chronological order of everything. Pretty hard for them to dispute that. And so I bring this up because you'll see here this legal case. And I did this on another YouTube where this individual thought they had 365 days of first step back credits and the BOP only gave them 75 days. Now, mind you, as you read this article through or this case, this person had a lot of other problems legally. But if he had documented everything, would that have helped him at all? I don't know. I really don't. But he didn't. And so consequently... They were stuck. You don't want to be in that position. And so I hope that you have found this helpful. And should you have any questions, I'm easy enough to find. Definitely through the website. Please feel free to refer to it. All this stuff on here for sure is for free. And I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen. Have a good day.